Hey, welcome to Because I Can Live podcast. All right, today's episode. Oh, yes, that's gonna what it's gonna make you feel like. <laughs> Have you ever felt cluttered, overwhelmed, too much to do? Well, you probably have, right? <laughs> so this episode is dedicated to you. I kind of sound like Casey Kasem from 1990. Maybe some of you remember who that is dedicating a song to you. I'm just dedicating this podcast episode to you if you feel those things. I'm bringing in Ali Casaza, and she's actually been featured on a whole bunch of famous shows like Today's Show, all those shit, like she's pretty much famous and it has to do with the, ah, and letting things go and living a minimalistic life, not just in stuff, but we're talking about, okay, yes, your home, your calendar, your brain and your business. How do you live that minimalistic life where it serves you? Instead of it feeling like this crushing to-do list. Oh, can you hear the angels singing on that one? I know. I love how Allie came in and basically spilled her guts to us just about everything. Now, you'll notice on this podcast episode, I actually have, um, there was a, a, an audience, a small audience that came in and listened to it and was able to ask questions at the end. So at first I'm talking to Allie and then we turn it over to some other people that are asking questions, which are excellent questions. It was kind of a fun, different approach to the podcasting. Uh, episode, but I thought, why not? Let's try it. Let's see what other people, what other questions people have as well. So you'll hear that at the end. And then don't forget to stay tuned to the very end where I wrap it up and I give you the top 10 takeaways uh, for you to be able to say, oh yeah, those are greater. Oh, Allison, you totally missed things. Let me know because this is a good podcast episode. All right, let's dive in. Hey, you are listening to the Because I Can Life podcast, where we believe we can decide our own income, choose happiness, kick bear in the teeth, and never, ever stop. Why? Because we can. I'm your host, Allison J. Prince, and I went from being a junior high science teacher to building four online multi-million dollar businesses with four kids at my feet. Each week, I'm bringing you real conversations that have led me, as well as other experts, to step into our dream online business lifestyle so that you can get the answers you need to craft your Because I Can Life as well. Take that first step and commit now to your Because I Can Life by downloading your free personal bundle at allisonjprince.com forward slash bundle. All right, you guys, let's get started while I let everybody in. We're going to be... Um, double dutying things today of letting people in. But I am so thrilled that we got Allie in today. I think this is going to be such a huge blessing for all of us that are attending today. Um, and then at the end, if you guys have questions, Allie said she'll stick around and answer a few questions if I miss me in the process. So I've known Allie, Allie, what we met like a couple, three months ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And we were meant to meet. Because when I heard that she's a life minimalist, not like a thing minimalist, but a life minimalist, I'm like, how do I get her in my life? Because I think some of the things you were saying, I'm like, that's it. I love people that are not like, I have to have this, I have this and this and this and this and more, 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 more. No, let's figure out how we can have a few things and make that the best part of our lives and not live in this, oh, I... I'm just not good enough because I don't have this and this and this. And I love how you've been able to simplify things. You have been featured on some pretty big places too, like the Today Show, Good Morning mm -hmm. America. What are some of the other ones? ABC News. Where else yeah. have you been featured? Yeah, Fox, um, Jenny McCarthy's show. That was really fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, Huffington Post, Pop Sugar. What's the Disney one? Babel. Is that, wait, yeah, I think that's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like once something catches on and women need it, all the fish come out and they're like, talk to us about this, talk to us about this. And it's like, it's pretty simple, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. I think it is such a needed message out there. And so will you kind of back up and tell us why and how you got started in 
this was your life calling to teach this? Like, how did you know that this was the thing that you wanted to do? Yeah. Um, so actually my business and my message started out from my own story and my own struggle, um, which I know is similar for you, Allison, why you and I kind of have magnetized to each other a little bit. And I think, I mean, at that point in my life, I had three kids under three. I have a hormone disorder. And so I thought I would not be able to have children. And so I got, I met my husband in like seventh grade. Like we grew up together. So when we got married right out of high school, it felt like long overdue. And we were like, well, we can't have kids. So like, let's just like grow up together and just like live. And then we surprisingly got pregnant and kind of fell backwards into parenthood. And the doctor was like, look, if you want to have kids, like you should bang them out (laughs) in like medical terms. That's what he said. And so we were like, okay. And so we had four kids in five years. So at this point in my life, I had three of them and they were all under three. Like my daughter regressed when my son was born. So at one point they were all in diapers. I was a stay at home mom and my husband worked for a large company. Like, you know how it goes, literally like not enough to go around, barely making ends meet, working his butt off. Um, And there I am like trying to hold down the fort and do all the other things. And I was also raised in a very oppressive religious environment where I was told at school that girls have babies and stay home and are not to make money and certainly not too much money. And so my mom always kind of told me like, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, but I still like, that's where I spent most of my time. So it really got in there and it became this subconscious block. And so I just was very lost. I had, I was always having entrepreneurial ideas, but I didn't know that's really what they were. I was always creating. If I could not create, I would get depressed. I would get really frustrated, really sad. Um, I would take it out on the kids just in like frustration, like just being an unhappy mom, being an unhappy person during the day. I would feel like there was something very much literally like backing me up because I wasn't able to release my ideas and I didn't have anywhere to put them. And so I had these three little kids. And while I was dealing with this frustration over like not having my own thing. And also like, I don't like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm an eight. And so I really don't like the feeling of powerlessness or being out of control in any way. And with finances in that point in my life, I felt very out of control. I felt like my husband and I were out of control. We were at the whims of this company that, you know, the higher ups didn't even know we existed. We were not in charge. There was always this dangling of the carrot in front of him, like promotion that they never gave anyone. They always hired out. It was oppressive. Like there was no hope. They were always taking away hours, taking away everything. And we were just kind of like, oh, there's overtime. Like go see you next year. Like you got to go make ends meet. And then like, oh, there's no overtime. Like, how are we going to stretch this cereal box over the next two weeks? Like, it was just like that. And this, I always tell the story about the day that I had to like figure out if I was going to be able to buy tampons or diapers because I couldn't get both. And like my period was coming and I literally felt myself like pushing my own body down to please not do what I needed to do because I couldn't afford to get what I needed. So we were in that place. And then I was also very much overwhelmed in my personal life. I mean, to say you have three under three, everyone's like, of course you were, but like that's hot mess mom culture though. Like, why couldn't I have been there and been home and been soaking up the moments? Like it's the whole expectation of like, of course you idiot. Like that's over. Of course you're going to be depressed and over like, no, that's not abundant life. Like that's not what my creator gives me. Absolutely not. BS. And so I was in this point there between like the money and the motherhood. And I was just like, it was all hard. It was all terrible. (laughs) And just feeling like I need something to change. I need something to give. And at this point, it was not money that didn't give for several more years. But I was like, God, I need lightness. Like show me where I can create lightness because I'm going to like mentors And they're telling me like, oh, this is motherhood. Like you'll get through it. It's super overwhelming, but like just wait till they're teenagers. So basically not only is it a total suck fest, but it's going to get worse. Like this, it was a hopeless message. And so. This is so relatable. The comments that are coming in 
of sharing, like figuring out how to get the cereal box to last just a little bit longer. And then you having to choose between tampons and diapers. Yeah. That's huge. Like, oh, so much, so much. Thank you for being so raw and open about this. Yeah, of course. I just feel like it's so humiliating to be at a point where which leak can I afford to stop in my family? Mine or the babies? Like it's literally it's humiliating. It's degrading. And my, and my husband was always gone. Like what? It's not even worth it. Like, why isn't this? It's just like this little penance for all of this, like backbreaking labor he was doing and missing like our daughter's soccer practice and, and just missing everything. Like one year they rescheduled him and wouldn't and said he'd be fired if he didn't show up. And he missed her birthday, her birthday party that we scheduled around his schedule. Like it was just, there was no control. It was a complete out of control. So I'm leaving out so much too. Like this manifested physically for me. I had physical anxiety attacks all the time. I absolutely was depressed. Absolutely. But in my soul, I knew that this was a situational depression. I knew like I, I had actually had postpartum depression when I first was born. So I knew like what depression that you need to go get help with. I knew what that felt like. And I had this feeling like, I just know that if something would shift, this would leave. This isn't like a drug me situation. This is a, this something has to change. And so I really like had that day where I went in the bathroom and I just locked myself in there and was like, God, like something has to change. I need things to get lighter. Like I, I can't even help Brian like figure out our money or do anything because I'm so bogged down just by like the day to day. Like I'm cleaning up and they're making messes behind me. And then there's an explosion of the diaper. And then like the, the potatoes are boiling over. And I'm also like hella unfulfilled. Like I like how, what do I do? And I, I felt like I needed to find this domino that would knock over all the other dominoes. And if I could just find that one domino and make things lighter, things would get better. And honestly, I always am hesitant to share this story this way because people get weird about it, but this is just the truth of what happened. I literally had an out-of-body experience where I came up out of myself and saw an aerial view of my life, and I saw myself going and reacting to this, reacting to the kids, reacting to the money, reacting to having to call the landlord again and ask for more time, reacting to the to not having a plan for meals, reacting to this, snapping at the kids. Like you snap at a toddler, you're overwhelmed. Like something needs to change. Snapping at my husband, like waiting all week for him to be home because we just wanted to be together. And then like fighting because of the stress and the tension, like just react, 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 zero proactiveness. And I saw that like, if I just removed some of the burden, I wouldn't feel quite this way. And maybe there'd be enough mental space for me to come up with solutions for the other areas. Cause I'm really smart, but I just, my brain is literally so foggy from all the reacting to all this stuff that's in my way. I can't even think I'm not a productive human at this point. Okay. So what did you do? Like you're in this fog zone, you're in this overwhelm. You never see your husband. You're looking at your life and you're like, all I'm doing is reacting. How did you know? How are you able to break through that fog? to be able to say, okay, this, this is what I need to clean up. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to drop. Yeah, it was. And yeah, Lena just hit the nail on the head. It's survival mode. I was in deep survival mode and survival mode has its place. Let's not like harp on survival mode, but it needs to be temporary. And it wasn't, this was years in like, you don't do the raising of the next generation from a place of survival mode. That's unacceptable for all of us. Well, that's good. That's so yeah. good. So basically I had in that moment, I'm having that moment and I'm like, okay, thanks for showing me that. I see this, but like, what, <laughs> like, what do I do? And I really just felt like, you know, when you like have a thought, but it wasn't your thought and it just drops in there. It was like, all you're doing is maintaining stuff that doesn't even matter so much so every day that you're completely not able to focus on what really does matter to you and your life is going by. And this is how it is. Yes. Annie Dillard said, how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. So the mundane, those mundane days, it's not the Disney days. It's not the, you know, beach trips and vacations. It's the mundane days that make up our life. And that is terrifying for a lot of us, but let it terrify you and let it wake you up and let it walk you forward. 
because in that moment it was like, well, then what's the excess? What can I cut? And I just like, honestly, Allison, like it's so simple. It's so mundane, but I saw like my house, my house is a a space where it's supposed to support me and serve me and help me make memories and help me raise these babies and help me have new ideas and get beyond this level of life I was stuck at. And it was hurting me. It was stealing from me. It was stealing my time and draining my energy and creating an atmosphere of chaos that deeply impacted myself and my children. And so I just started there. Like, I was like, if this is all taking up my time, if all I do is clean up and like shoo the kids away to go watch Dora the Explorer so I can catch up on the housework and it's never caught up. And I don't even care if it's clean. I just want it to not be CPS status for Pete's sake. Like, that's all I'm asking for. Like, it it was like, like, just constant. Then like, what if all of this crap was just not here? And that's what I did. This was like eight years ago. So there was no condo, Marie Kondo. There was no documentaries or books. Like I just was like, I got to just do something here. And I went through the house and I trash bagged it like crazy. And I got rid of everything that didn't feel worthy of me taking time from my kid's childhood. That was a lot of stuff. Oh, that's like, good. That is yeah. so good. Cause I was like, I don't know, but like, I know I'm not living on purpose. So what's taking from my purpose? And God really showed me the answer to that. So then, okay, what does not align? What is not beautiful and bringing joy? What is not being used? What is just like, like the kids' toy room. They were the first grandkids on both sides. So it was overwhelming. And it was like, they're freaking toddlers. And there's this room full of bins overflowing. And they just go in there and dump everything out and find the one little like tiny pony and leave and say they're bored and hungry two seconds later. Like it wasn't even serving a purpose. And I, sure enough, I Googled it and it was like, all these studies are just out there in consumerism America. No, but like in Germany and other countries, they're doing studies and finding that kids actually, their IQs drop. They have more higher increases in uh, anxiety and ADD and ADHD when they have too much stuff. Like they're overstimulated and overwhelmed and we're just like, it's Christmas and feeding it more and more and more. And I had all this stuff like taking away from our purpose. Oh, I love Um, that you say that. I love that you say that. When our kids were younger, we had birthday parties. We would say, please don't bring them a gift. They've mm-hmm. got enough stuff. And that was like a big, oh, no, we have to bring them a gift. I'm like, just donate it. I don't want or this stuff in my house. Out. Just donate it to yeah. someone else. So I love yeah. that you're saying this. Yeah. It started with physical stuff for me because I didn't know where else to start. And then really like long story short, and we can dive into whatever you want, the money part of that later, this part, whatever. But my entire life changed because simplicity is contagious. So you start in the house and then you're like, oh my gosh, like my kids played for three hours the next morning in their playroom. They were three and two. That's insane. Like that's like a vacation for you. Yeah. I was drinking a hot cup of coffee and then a second hot cup of coffee and no one was interrupting. (laughs) And I had three under three. And I just knew from that moment, like if I do like the clothes, the dishes, like, and just like, that's the thing, like in my heart, I just am not really a housewife. And so I don't care about that. Like I want it to be clean and beautiful, but like, I don't care. I want to do other things. I just want this to support me and like, go do other things. I was tired of like shoving crap behind the shower curtain when my mom was going to drop by because I was embarrassed. Like I was tired of getting the kids out of my way so I could clean when like what I really wanted to do was just sit in the backyard with them. And I never could because I would have to catch up and I'd have to pay the price. And I realized like if this is stealing my motherhood from me, what else is it stealing? And where else is it hiding? My calendar, my schedule, obligations. How am I overcomplicating even like things like health and wellness and making excuses about how it's so hard and I just can't afford to eat healthy and I'm just overcomplicating and lying to myself. Okay. Can we transition to that thought? I love where you're going about the brain. Like you're okay. You're getting rid of all the crap in your house, Mm -hmm. the stuff that doesn't serve you. And then you're thinking, okay, now I got to fix my health, my brain, everything like that. How did you, what were the steps that you took to be able to do that? Well, seeing the effects, like I didn't do this all in one day. So seeing the effects of the house and how much like something that I really didn't care too much about was 
my life was very different within like a couple weeks of just doing that. So that's when I was like, then, you know, you're, you're, that's on the front of your mind. So then like every meal you eat, I started to think like, am I overcomplicating this? Like, I don't have to eat this burrito right now. It would have been just as easy for me to like make some asparagus. Like, am I lying to myself about this? Am I making up this story? And then like with money, like I am experiencing boredom and I have three kids under three. I could probably do something like I, you just, everything goes under the light of what if I did everything different than everyone else? And that everyone has been saying about how motherhood has to be for decades is a lie. It's a story. And I don't have to tell myself that same story. So it kind of came from that and then trying it with my schedule. Sorry. No, I will not be able to help you with that on Wednesday nights anymore. I'm out. And I'm sorry if you're disappointed. Not my problem. No is and the best thing I've ever freedom. learned. Yeah. Being yeah. able to say no and not feeling guilty, not carrying the guilt by mm-hmm. saying, no, I don't want to do that thing on Wednesday night. I'm just going to do nothing and be okay with it. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing. Like I had, I really felt like I was giving my family a gift when we made these decisions. Like I was a very young mom. I got married when I was 20 and then I, I didn't know, but I was pregnant on my 21st birthday. Cause I was like puking in the waves at the beach. So I had my kids like very, very young and I wanted, I was happy about that. I want to like be happy and like vivacious and like go and live with them and take them to do things. And I want them to see the world and I felt like I was missing all of that. Like we don't have money to see the world. I'm bitter and resentful and and overwhelmed. Get out of my way and go watch Netflix. Like this was not how I wanted to be. And then, but then I would like say yes to helping with something at, you know, the school or a church group or a mom's group or whatever. And it's like, why am I saying yes and acting all happy, go lucky and willing to help everyone except myself. So it just, you put everything under that light of simplicity and it's like, am I making this harder than it needs to be? And this goes for business too. Yeah. Let's dive into that. Like that was my next question. Like how do you morph this into how we all overcomplicate, overthink everything in business? How did you? Everything. (laughs) Everything. Okay. I think it all comes down to worthiness. I think we don't feel worthy of ease and we don't feel worthy of things flowing and coming to us. We don't feel worthy of receiving money without sweating and doing the hard work. I have seen this look different culture to culture and person to person, but it all comes down to the same issue. It just manifests in different ways based on the person's life story and where they come from. And so for me, I did not feel worthy of money. And the, when I found the root, and I'll just share this in case it triggers someone's brain to figure out your limiting belief. But for me, the biggest root was I come from a family of Cuban immigrants and my father literally escaped on like a raft slash boat from Cuba and his family was murdered. They took away their land. His father was a rebel against Castro. There was murder and drama and they came here And my dad and my grandfather like started over and built up a company in the 80s and 90s off of nothing, with nothing. And so the message was, you will go to school. You will take this privilege we created for you. You will be grateful. You will graduate and you will go get one of these four jobs that we approve of. But also you can do whatever you want. Be free as a bird. Fly high. And but it's got to be one of these It was very, um, and I took that and it was like, I understand. I heard the stories and the older I got, the more details they would share with me. I feel like the heaviness of like that history, but I got to that age and I went to college and I got accepted into a university and I hated it there. I didn't care about drawing diagrams of sentences and what the different types of nouns and being an English major and, and all of this, I couldn't find myself and I wanted to leave. Like, I just felt like I'm an, I was an entrepreneur, Allison, and no one told me. Um, yeah, and my dad was an entrepreneur and was. he was, yeah, he was always telling me entrepreneurship is not the way for you. It's very hard. Do not do it. And I would like start lemonade stands and make like hundreds of dollars because I would get like reflective (laughs) signs with witty sayings on them. And I would like dance in the street and hold my signs and like give away like a bonus Barbie doll if you bought a pitcher instead of a glass. And like, I was basically doing like lemonade webinars (laughs) on the street. And like my dad, 
Um, I started do making money when I was like six and my dad would be like, that's so great. Good job. But like not feed it and not tell me like, you know, you think about you and me with our kids. I'd be like, you're an entrepreneur. Let's do it now. Don't wait till you're 18. Like my daughter's 11 and she has a business. I know your kids have businesses too. And they're speaking and stuff like that. It wasn't that way because it wasn't the ideal. And that's fine. My dad's allowed to, you know, have his story and make mistakes. So I, the story for me was I dropped out of college. I got married instead. And if I do this and I make money, more money than my dad, how was he going to feel? Like, I'm going to disappoint my dad and I'm going to embarrass him and I'm going to shame I'm going to shame the legacy, the Cuban legacy that I have been told every day, I'm going to do it a disservice. And so it was like this heavy, I'm going to break my relationship with my dad, basically. And as a human, like our brains are made for survival and safety. So like all of that was on, it felt like all of that was on the line. So rewriting that story, the money immediately flowed, rewrite, get rid of that limiting belief and rewriting that story you know, that was literally like the heavens opened up and I literally had $25,000 in my bank account the next day. Okay. And we had a viral post. We need to talk about that. Okay. Number one, when you started coming into money, building your entrepreneurship, I'm sure you told your dad how much money you were making. What was his reaction? (laughs) He was like, my dad is bald and he like shaved his head and he was just like rubbing his head over and over like, wait, wait, do you like, did you type an extra zero? And I was like, no, like dad, look, look at it. And he was, he's always been like shocked and so happy. And now like we have lunch every week and I business coach him and he's, he receives it. He loves it. He wants to start a, he's brilliant with finances. He wants to start a finance company. He's like my financial advisor. We invest together. Like it's, it's amazing. So it was always a story. My dad loves me. That's where those things came from. And also it was the nineties and the early two thousands, like things were different. He didn't know, you know, there'd be webinars and courses. And so he has always said like, I want, like the main thing I wanted was for you and your siblings to just do better than I had. Like, I just wanted you to do better. And I didn't care about the means of that. I just wanted you to go and make something for yourself and be better. So he's like, he never felt the way that I thought he did. You know, he's proud. It was all just a story. I love that you're coaching him now. When I told my dad, he was like, and you did that with cupcake liners. And then I would tell my grandpa who was you know, even older. And he's like, I don't understand that concept. Who are you selling these to? How do you get that many people in your store? I'm like, no, no, no. It's not like a brick and mortar store, grandpa. <laughs> it's online. Yeah, my grandparents don't get it. And my, my Cuban grandfather is not happy because I haven't been one of the four things, but it's okay because I was worried about my dad. And you know what? Even if my dad wasn't happy, it's not my problem. It's not your problem. No, it's not my problem. I just ended up working out that it was all a story. I had interpreted it as like, okay, for me to be safe and accepted and loved in my family, I must be one of these four things and go to one of these schools I even got into like the top choice school. Like I didn't even apply to the other schools. I lied and said I did and didn't because I was like, I will get into this school, this one, because it will make my dad the happiest. And I did it. But when your whole life is like for approval of someone else, you're outside of your own purpose. So I was, that's what I was doing. And that was the pattern. So to break that, that's heavy. It was hard. How did you do that? Cause that's not, I mean, once you believe something that could be a lie, like why else would you think differently? So how did you go back and say, this is not my truth. I need to rewrite my story. And then how did you give yourself permission to write on a blank canvas to be able to design what you wanted to do? Yeah, it took a lot of journaling. It took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of quiet, but it was within a, within a week or two, I busted through the limiting belief and then everything just rained down literally. So let me work backwards. So it's like this. Okay. What So identify the story. First of all, the most time-consuming part was identifying that that was what, because that's not like in my conscious, like, if I disappoint my dad, like it's all back. It's all subconscious. So we have to unlock that. So figuring out like, okay, 
let's imagine right now, all of us, imagine a number in your head. For me at that point in time, my number was ironically $25,000. I wanted $25,000. And so basically I didn't realize that I was, that's how I was manifesting that because I wanted that. And that's the exact number that came that next day. So picking a number and let's just imagine all together right now that that number just dropped into your bank account. You don't know how some things that you had ready sold, some a link was open that you didn't know was open and that money just comes in right now or whatever your number is, 250,000, whatever. And then really sitting in that, like really imagining like, what would you do? What phone calls would you make? Who would you text? Who would you be able to tell the number to? Who would you not be able to tell the number to? Why? What comes up for you when you tell them the number? What fears come up? So for me, I started feeling relief. I started imagining buying every box of tampons in the aisle. (laughs) I imagined um, my kids had like very little clothes and we really needed to get them clothes because we had moved to the Midwest and it was freezing. I didn't know how to handle that. I wanted to go to Burlington and get them coats like and clothes. Like I was imagining that. And then somewhere in there, I got to my mom. And I had like feelings about what she would think. And I was like, okay, these are, these are good. No big deal there. And I got to my dad and I couldn't pin it, but it was not good. Like I was almost like physically nauseated from anxiety. Um, and so there, there we go. Like we've got something there. Dive into that. Why? What would happen? What would he think? And you just pick apart the layers until you're like, bingo, my whole life. This has been a story and I'm about to rewrite it. And I don't want to embarrass my dad. I love him so much. So it's like from a place of love, but not able to spread those wings because you're living to someone else's standards. So does that help you guys? Does that make sense to kind of work? Like the way you work backwards and dive in is to imagine it has already occurred and then notice how you feel. Who would you tell? Who do you feel like you couldn't tell? Why do you feel like you can't tell them? You know, okay, good. Priscilla says it makes sense. So what, like diving into that, have a journal handy, have tissues handy and sit in those feelings and let it all come up. And you might need to do it a few times, but for me, it came up somewhere between I get to buy jackets and like, oh my gosh, my dad won't love me. It came up. Wow. That is so deep. And I love how you worked backwards of thinking all the people that you're like, no, I don't dare tell them. And we can do this with anything, right? Like, why can't we be on camera or on Instagram live? Like what is holding us back from getting out there or reaching out to an influencer or getting a product, whether it's physical or digital and we get sick, like why is that triggering to us? So it could work on so many things. That's so good. Oh, I do this all the time, all the time. Yeah. Okay. So now you've got the $25,000 in your bank account. I'm sure it just didn't like just get deposited there randomly. What did you do? So months earlier, I was studying the art of going viral, not like stupid virality, you know, like funny virality, but like story virality, because my story was, I knew that my story was what I had. That was like my, my superpower was my story with motherhood and how this had changed my life, how simplicity and actually less had given me so much more. And so I I had worked very diligently at crafting this article that was my motherhood story. And I knew, like, I was like, this will go viral. I am choosing that this will go viral. I know it's good for the world that this would go viral. So I was like positive, like affirmations, really speaking life over this. I believe the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I was using it for life. So speaking it out, pouring my story, reading and researching, tweaking the story, placing certain things. And I put an opt-in in it. I put a link to my course in it. And I just served and shared my story. And I had published that months earlier and nothing was happening, but I still knew like this is going to go viral. It might take time, but it's going to go viral. And the post went viral after I broke through that block overnight. There was news crews at my home. <laughs> PayPal had shut me out because they thought I was fraudulent. ConvertKid had shut me out because they thought that I was a spammer for having so many emails overnight. And Jenny McCarthy had my phone number and was calling me. It was insane. In one day. Oh my goodness. That's pretty life-changing. That's pretty life-changing. So storytelling is really, and like I talk about it all the time, is so essential. And so you told a story, but then you attached it to something you were selling or a free PDF or something like that. Yeah, free PDF and the course was mentioned in there and everything was connected and 
was like a funnel and it worked. So good. So good. So you guys that are listening, like that is gold. Don't just put stuff out there to put stuff out there. You got to tell a story, connect. And that helps you to grow. People connect with story. They don't connect with products. You have mm -hmm. to tell your story, whatever it is you're selling from socks to curling irons to courses, whatever you're selling, you have to tell a story behind it. So, so, so good. Okay. So now you've got Jenny McCarthy calling you. You've got news people on your front step and that's not minimalism. That's like completely overwhelmed. <laughs> so walk yeah, us through that process that of how you were able to be like, okay, this is all happening. I finally broke through with my dad. We're on good terms. Now moving forward with all this attention, how did you bring back the minimalistic part of it? So even, even in that week, I never got swept up. Like I, I don't know. I've never ever actually even been asked that question and thought about it in this way, but I'm just processing now. Like I didn't get swept up in it at all. Even in that moment, I was like saying no to stuff and saying like, I can't do that, but I can do this because I had been practicing and I had been living this way. And so it was like, no, I can't fly to Australia, but I can get on the phone with you and do a radio interview. Like I was choosing and not getting swept. Cause that's the thing too, Allison. I had just come or was coming from powerlessness and being like, basically just whatever everyone wanted us to be. We had to be there because we were chasing them a dollar and I wasn't going to do this in my new business. So it was like, I don't want to do that. I actually don't like what that celebrity stands for. I don't want to do that. No. And then like, yes to this, yes to this, no to this. And so I was in control and I was practicing and flexing that muscle and, and it's basically minimalism, essentialism in life. And I was practicing it right away. And so it was a whirlwind and we did a lot of press and it was so fun. And I was also strategic. Like this is not for the 15 minutes of fame. This is not for my family. This is not about my kids. No, you cannot interview my children. Like this is, I have a business. I'm a businesswoman. If you would like to discuss this with me, I can coach your audience for you. Like I was pivoting it to, because I don't want $25,000. I want 500 billion in the sense of a career. I don't, I needed this to keep going. So that was kind of my mindset. That's so good. And I love how you're talking about flexing and practicing over and over again. Cause the first time you say no, the first time you say, okay, I'm chase, chasing a dollar here, but maybe I shouldn't, or maybe I should go here, here, here. That first no is so hard. And then it gets easier. I mean, it's still not easy, but it, it takes practice over and over again. And now like, I don't know, you are the pro at saying no. I feel like I am an expert too. At, nope. I'm good. Nope. I'm good. And not carrying that guilt around because we've practiced it for years and years and years, not just mm -hmm. like it happened yesterday. And then we're trying to start tomorrow with it. Like this is how you live. Right. And it has to be because I have a responsibility to the women of the world to get my message out there. So I must make decisions and I have a responsibility to my family with the priorities that we've agreed on as I started my business and Brian quit his job and we moved into this together. And like, we have a list of rules and priorities and it's my responsibility to live out that way. And if it feels unaligned, it's time to back out. Like I'll always back out and say, I shouldn't have committed to this. This is my bad. I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to do. So it's like a willingness to disappoint people to live aligned because at the end of this, I'm going to be held responsible for my time here. And I want to know that I wasn't people pleasing, <laughs> that I was doing what I, what only I can do. What I'm called to do because that's the ultimate responsibility. People pleasing is actually one of the most selfish acts because the only reason you're people pleasing is because you want to feel good. You want to feel like you're getting pet. Like you're like, I did a good job. I made them happy. And I'm not here for that. I'm not afraid to ruffle, ruffle feathers and disappoint people. If it means that I'm living aligned and I can sign my name to the day. Oh, I've never heard that before. That is so powerful. Oh, that's good. Okay. So, um, tell me now the minimalism, like if someone wants to start today, would you just give, let's go four of the top things that you recommend with knowing that the uh, audience today and whoever's going to listen to the podcast have a business or starting a business. So add that into if, uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot, Allie. <laughs> okay. No, I got it. Um, so what takes up your physical space will always take up your time. You do not buy things with just dollars. You buy them with minutes. You have a choice to make. Is this worth your minutes? If you're having a business, like you need minutes more than everybody, especially if you're a mom and you have a business, like 
We need all the minutes. So you have to understand that like, yeah, the necklace is so cute, but like, is it worth your minutes? Because you're literally that, you know, you're maintaining everything. It's not just sitting there. Like it gets taken out. You have to put it away. You have to dust the toaster of the top of the toaster oven and empty the crumb tray and put this, every single thing is taking up time, everything. And so being that, like Nate Berkus says, being the ruthless editor of your space. Ooh. And you're worth ruthless because it's your time. It's not your space. It's your time. So I would start in the bathroom and get rid of it's easy in there because there's no sentimental stuff in there. It's easy, yes, no. You know, old prom makeup and broken hair tools and stuff like that. Get it out. And then move on and go into a more, a more like time lucrative area, like the kitchen. Who cares if it was handed down from grandmother so-and-so? Like, is it worth your time? Look at your babies. Look at your dreams that you keep not meeting and all the excuses you've been having. This is all time. All of it. The time you spend on your phone, the time you spend maintaining your space, the time you spend doing piles of dishes when there could have been just four. Like, this is all time that you are responsible for. Um, So kind of moving through the spaces and taking ownership and looking at it under that light, because I haven't found that much can hold a candle to that perspective. It it basically makes it irrelevant. Like, well, it's special. Okay. What about your time? What about your dreams? What about your kids? You know, it kind of just like, oh yeah, I guess it's not as special as I thought. And there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having beautiful things and sentimental items. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But when there's buckets and buckets and bins and bins and you're moving with, with, with you with each house and you're maintaining all the time and you're complaining, you don't have enough time. Yes, you do. We have a problem. So it's like putting that under the light of intentionality and how you want to live. And I also want to say too, be prepared to go against the grain. I don't know what everyone's problem is, but for some reason, when you decide to not be a part of, of typical consumerism, people get upset. Like they get like mad that you're like, Oh, we're actually not doing gifts for this Christmas this year. And people get like, you just stole their very breath away. You know, it's like they get so upset. So, you know, we balance, like we do normal Christmas, we do normal birthdays, but there's no contract that says I'm going to keep the stuff you give. So just know that you might want to stick to the Amazon wish list. <laughs> do you know, for Christmas, we actually have told our kids since day one, you get three, you get three gifts, you get a want, need and a talent. And yeah. it has really lessened the pressure of Black yeah. Friday and cyber, all that stuff when tension can build up. And I'm like, no, three things. And my kids wake up and they know they get three things and they're not disappointed that their sister got four or 500 or whatever the number is by setting those numbers and letting them know going out the gate. Mm -hmm. We've had the best Christmases ever because we really focus on the family and not on all the stuff. Okay. I keep going, keep going. These are good. These are so good. Yeah, totally. Okay. And then I would say also like, look at, look at how you're doing your business And ask yourself, like, really just sit and get some silence if you can and just sit for a second and ask, like, where am I overcomplicating because I don't feel worthy of ease? Like, everyone write that question down because it's huge. Like, where am I overcomplicating things to prove that I deserve to earn this because I don't feel worthy of it just coming in? There's so much in my business that I have already done. I've already created it. And I will still sometimes feel the pull to like make something new or add in a million bonuses because I just don't feel worthy of the money. And like my work is of high value and, and I am of good service to the world. And if somebody doesn't want it, they can get out. That's fine. I'm not forcing them. But if you want this change, I'm promising you like it is a promise. And this is a lifestyle that will create a better legacy for your family for years to come. I think that's worth, you know, a couple hundred bucks and we're going to leave it at that. There's no need to stack on a million bonuses. There's no need for me to try to prove anything or make a new course or do something, reinvent the wheel, like getting comfortable with just sitting back and letting money come in and not having to work super hard for it. That's uncomfortable for a lot of people, but that's really simplicity in business is just trusting that like it's enough. You're enough because you are. And what's the simplest way I could hit this goal? I want to make six figures this month. So let's see, what's the simplest way I could do that? What feels aligned? And just taking that aligned action and have a couple of backup options if you want. If you don't hit the goal, what am I going to do? And just have those options sitting there for yourself. But 
Just let it be enough. Know that you are worthy and it will flow from there. If you have the mindset that you have to earn it, it will never be enough. There will always be more to do. You always could have done better. And that's not in a money attracting energy. So as you're saying that, it reminds me of um, when our dog gets out the front door and we go chase the dog, what does the dog do? It runs away from us. But if we go out the front door and then we start walking the other way, like, eh, whatever dog, it comes back and basically attacks us. And I feel like that's what money does too. If we go out there and we're like desperate, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. People can feel that and they're going to run away versus Mm -hmm. if we're like, here it is. It's good. It's worth it. Let me know if you want in. It changes the game completely. Yeah. It's like, I heard this from Catherine Zankina. Talk to them like they're already in it. Don't come at them from an energy of convincing. So it's such a gross, like, even let me just do it right now. If it's like, oh my gosh, you have to get in here. You have to. If you do this, then this would happen. Imagine if you had this, this will happen if you just get, I'm trying to get you to understand like it, the bonus is expiring tomorrow versus you are going to wake up so much lighter just knowing what's coming for you. Like the energy shifts. Totally. It's totally. So desperate versus F yes. Do you want this? Like, of course you do. Like what crazy person would like, it's just so like, I can't wait to tell you what's going to happen for you talking to them. Like they're already in it instead of begging them to come. And just the way you were talking, like the pitch of your voice versus the calm, soothing confidentness yeah. was complete opposite as well as, as you did that example. That was good. Ali, that was so good. Kate, while I ask Ali a couple more questions, you guys, We have another 13 minutes with her. Start asking your questions in the comments down below. Uh, This is our time with Allie. Like what a gift, Allie. Like, oh, so grateful that you're here with us to help us to minimalize our life. I feel like I've always been a minimalistic person. I have, I think I could go over right now and count maybe like nine shirts in my closet because I don't want to overthink my clothes. Like I'm just going to keep it simple. Like keep it. And there, let's use that example. I'm the opposite. I, my closet is massive. I do not care how many clothes I have. It's part of my job. I love fashion. I'd be doing that if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. It's a part of who I am. And for oh, two years, that. For, I did a capsule wardrobe because I felt like, oh, I'm Ali Casaza. I have to. And I was like, it was so depressing. I felt like cut off at the knees. Like I couldn't be creative and be myself. And I didn't have like my earrings and my sweaters and my, and my boyfriend jeans and my skinny jeans. And my, like, I was freaking out. And now it's like, this is the way that I am. This is my job. I'm constantly on camera and I love putting different things together. I, this is who I am. But my kitchen, super sparse. I want to get in there, get the job done and get out of there. I hate cooking. I'm done. I'm hiring a chef ASAP. So my home reflects my personal things. The contrast that was just shown, like my closet is very minimalistic, right? Your closet has a lot more stuff to it, but it's Mm -hmm. who we are. Like my closet serves me to go in there and see empty rods. It's like, yes, I don't have to fill it up. Whereas Allie, her personality is like, these are empty. I need to fill it. And so we're all so different, but yeah, I believe we both live this minimalistic life based on our needs and what serves us. Exactly. And that is, it's got to be relative to you and who you are. Otherwise it's just a set of rules that are not serving you. That's the last thing we need. Okay. So this one's coming in from Shelly. What platform did you use when you first shared your story? So that's such a good question. Where did you put that story? Um, I put it on my own blog. I also pitched it to several other platforms, uh, you know, bloggers and was like, Hey, would you, can I guest publish this on your site? And the one that went viral was one of the guest posts. And then it drew everyone to my website. So I made sure they were okay with me having my opt-ins. Like in my opinion, it's unacceptable to have someone come and give me content, give me value and like not be able to plug themselves. Like that's not, that's karma. I don't like, I don't like that. So I was looking for people who were like, yes, of course you can hook up your own stuff. And so I did that. And the one that went viral, it was, it was like five or six different places. And the one that went viral was on the balanced life's blog, Robin Long. So it wasn't even on your site. No. 
Are you guys hearing this? Like, that is so good. So if you're like, I don't have a blog, I don't have Instagram, I don't have Facebook. That's okay. Leverage someone else. Get a head start. Leverage someone else. Oh, Allie, that was so good. Okay, Tina's saying, I like the idea of knowing that you have added enough bonuses to your product. Do you have a formula you suggest? I'm dealing with a kit that I'm putting together. I'm afraid I'm not offering enough for the amount of money that I want to ask for. That's it right there. You're afraid you're not offering enough. So why? What unworthiness do you have that is causing you to be afraid that it's not enough? Why is it not enough? Of course it's enough. If you put it out there and you put it together and you are aligned with that program and you're like, yes, this feels good. This is enough. And then what is it worth to you? What price makes you, you're able to get behind it. You feel like they're getting a steal and you're also in integrity and that money is worthy of your time. Then why is it not an, it's an unworthiness issue. It's somewhere inside of you. You feel that you are not enough. And that's just manifesting physically in your products. It's never about the products. It's about you. So we got to get you to where like, you are worthy. You are enough. What you have to offer is enough. If you can get behind the price, there's nothing left to say. If people want, sometimes people ask me about that. Well, is there any way that you could also throw in this? If you pay your, with your credit card information again, <laughs> like it's no, there is, I am so worthy. I am so worthy of my story. I, I had, look at what I had to go through to get what I know. You will pay me for that and you will pay me what I ask. And there is no question about the worthiness. And I'm also not attached to their results. I'm not responsible for their results if they do it. I put the content out there. I did my best. I charged in an integrity price that I was a line I could get behind that felt good to me. And I'm not responsible for this person not doing it or feeling like it wasn't working. But I'm not for everybody. It's not my problem. So we have to get like so worthy that none of this can touch us. The fact that you even just said, I'm afraid I'm not like, no, 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 no. There's a worthiness issue about your own self and your own voice. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, Millie says, after rewriting your life, what are you teaching your children? How is the message different from that your parents told you? Um, it's, it's the opposite. And also like, this age is the opposite of what our parents told us. Like my parents did a really good job. That was just the vibe of like that age, you know? And so now it's like, the difference is I'm seeing their gifts and I'm watching for them. And when I see it, I say something. Some of my kids are a little bit easier for me to see than others, just being honest, but they're all there and they will all come out. And now like I have one in particular child that I'm like, I've always been like, I don't want to be encouraging these other kids and then kind of like, good job making your bed. Like I want to like find it. And like, I was worried. And I'm just now seeing that first spark of like, oh my gosh, like you're such an empath. You care so much. This is your gift. This is your fire. But finding what that is and cultivating that. And I do not treat my kids like they're kids in that regard. It's like, oh, you have a business idea? Let's start it right now. Who cares if you're seven? Like if you could be a millionaire by the time you're 10, that'd be great for you. Like I don't treat them like when you grow up, like right now, it's right now because there's always, there's too much waiting. There's too much waiting. There's too much like keeping them. And then we, and then they turn 18 and we expect them to figure everything out and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on school and know exactly what they want to do with their lives. And it's ridiculous when we didn't even equip them for that. Like, what are we thinking? So my daughter has her business. She's constantly having business ideas. I have to kind of reel her in like, cause she also has ADHD, which is a beautiful gift and a brain. And it's all the things all the time. So I'm like, okay, let's work on the art for now. And then after Halloween, I will do this with you. And my son is, he has business ideas as well. Like they're all so far entrepreneurs, but even if they're not, what's the gift and how can you cultivate that with them and stand on their side and lock arms with them and tell them, this is your fire. This is what makes you a gift to the world. This is like, there's so many ways to make money with this rather than this is the way it's done. This is what I expect. And when you're 18, you have to have your whole life figured out and you didn't even cultivate their gifts, you know? Love that. Okay. Grace says, do you have anyone encouraging you as you broke into who you are today? Um, I feel like this is kind of a crappy answer, but other than my husband, no, it was actually the opposite where basically everybody was just politely quiet when I would talk about what I was doing and kind of just like, 
That's so cute. <laughs> well, is it also cute to make more money than your doctor and your lawyer combined? Because that's where I'm headed. Thanks. Like it, it was, it's like, oh my God, good for you, mama. Like it was annoying. But my husband was feminist before I was and was like, what you were raised in at school is, is ridiculous. Like you will do this because it's yours. Like you have to do this. And he like quit his job before I was making money to come home and support me. And he built benches in the garage and made money to support me doing webinars. And so the kids could be quiet and kept with him. And he was the reason that the business is what it is today. Yeah, I totally get that. Jared, he did so much for me. He even had to take a huge dose of humble pride. Like, I don't know what the right word is for this, but we had a neighbor come over and was like, Hey, do you guys need some money? Uh, and I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, Jared quit his job and your shop. You're still working from your garage. Are you doing okay? And I'm like, dude, I have a 30,000 square foot facility with 50 employees, but he didn't see it and he couldn't see it. And so he just thought that we were just struggling and struggling. And I'm like, oh, you don't know anything. You don't know anything about what I can do or what is going on in the background. And poor Jared was like, oh, I wonder what he thinks about me just being a stay-at-home dad, like Jared has yeah. been. Yeah, t- we get it. We've had we've lost friends over this. Like there was a yeah. a friendship that dissolved because the guy said something like, "I could never do that to my family." Like men are supposed to provide, and Brian basically told him where to stick that, and we are not. <laughs> I think Allison, like we're going counterculture, and people get uncomfortable with that, especially when it works. Yes, 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 yeah. For sure. For sure. And we grew up in a, a, I mean, I think we all did where the man provides and having it switch is just different. And our husbands have to go through stuff and friends have to go through stuff. And yeah, we've lost friends too, which we found out they weren't really friends, right? Friends are support supposed to support you through everything. Okay. um, Here's the last question because we're almost at the time. Pinky says, how do you focus on one thing? I have so many different projects. I feel like I'm following different paths and then I'm just overwhelmed. I think we've all felt that. Yes. I will answer this as quickly as I can. So the thing is, is that oftentimes when you're an entrepreneur, you're a creative entrepreneur, those ideas are always coming. So, but you have to be careful because if you feel like what you're saying, that you're kind of getting distracted and you're not really following through on things because there's too many other things, that means you're a starter, but not a finisher. And that is a form of self-sabotage. It's also kind of a secret. It's like perfectionism with a masquerade mask on. And it's kind of tricking you because you're like trying to do everything perfect and start it and not let anything go and balance all the balls and you can't. So the trick for me is I have a Trello board. If you guys don't know what Trello is, it is free and you must have it in your life. Love and I have an idea board and I keep all of my ideas there. And I will also, do you guys use Voxer? You can Vox yourself like a voice message or just use the voice memo app. I will Vox it out like, what if we did this live event where we did it like this and women could say this and do this. And then I will copy that voice memo and paste it in the Trello board with the idea. And I can always come back. So I capture it and put it aside, but I'm focusing on what what I'm doing. Your Uncluttered Home was my first course and I did not even look at doing Unburdened until I had 10,000 students in your uncluttered home. So you do what works and you do it really hard and really well. And then it's like, okay, I think we're ready for step two, which would be taking this minimalism thing and implementing it in your life. Oh, I love that. I love that. I always have a journal next to me because I have so many ideas coming. And if I don't get them out on paper, they're just going to stay in my head. I've got Mm -hmm. to get them out so I can keep focused on the thing that I am focused on. Okay. So if you're listening right now, have you ever felt like you just overthink everything? I've got a hook on this one. If you think you overthink everything, I need you to go listen to the last podcast episode that Allie did. It is so good. So Allie, where can they find your podcast? Where can they find you on social media? All the goods. Where can they get your courses? Tell us everything. Yeah. Uh, AllieCasaza.com. Go and pick your own adventure. Like, what do you need? Do you need business help? We have the Up and Up Academy, which is a business growth membership. And it's the balance of strategy and spirit. There's so much spiritual, the growing a business, so much mindset, so much emotion, like in the question about, I'm afraid it's not good enough. Like we get into all of that juicy stuff and we level up 
into six and seven figures there. Um, and then there's also home and life stuff because it's all connected, especially for us women, like where everything is spaghetti noodles, it's all connected. And then I would say Instagram is the best place for social media. If you just search Ali Casaza, um, it will pop up. And the podcast is the purpose show. And I would love, we have like 2 million listeners. I love podcasting. I would love to have you guys there. And when you're over there, you guys know you have to rate and review. Like that is the blood of the podcast world. It's what helps us keep moving forward and get our messaging out. So make sure you're rating and reviewing when you go listen to Allie's podcast. Absolutely. Huge hugs. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I know it was kind of all over the place, so I hope it was so helpful. We talked about so much. We did. There was so much to talk about. Yeah. So I'll do, when I end this, I'll do a wrap up my top 10 takeaways. I think there might be 20 takeaways though. (laughs) That's okay. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. And I love talking with you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Allie. And everybody else, thanks so much for attending. I will see you guys next or this Friday coming up. All right. Bye you guys. Woo-wee. That was a fun episode with Allie. So good. I love being able to bring on guests, interview them. <sighs> they just fill and feed my soul. I hope it does that to you as well. So here are some of the top takeaways that I got. Let me know. Did you get these too? Did you get others? I would love to know your thoughts on it. So number one, your house should serve you instead of it becoming this big, huge to-do list. The second one, throw stuff away and be okay with it. Number three, stop feeling guilty for saying no. Number four, are the stories in your head actually a lie? And those are the things that are stopping you. Number five, you're going to want to work backwards to help you break the stories or the lies that are in your head. So By doing that, number one, you're going to identify the story. Number two, you're going to put a number on that story and then think about who you would go out and tell. And then number three, who's that person or what is that thing? When you think about telling that number two starts to make you sick inside. That's the thing that you can focus on to start breaking through that story in your head to help you to be able to move forward. Number six, to take this life minimalistic approach, the very first thing you can do to start out with is by decluttering your bathroom. Number seven, to help you get to your answers, journal, pray, and sit in silence. Number eight, take a look at the thing that you're feeling spread thin in and look at it. Are you overcomplicating it? Is there anything that you can do, throw out to make it less complicated? Maybe it's you running your kids to 15,000 different activities. Is that overcomplication? Maybe you can pull it back and only do one or two a week so you can have time to actually sit in silence. Number nine, talk to your customers like they're already in it. And then number 10, life minimalism. Guess what? takes practice. You got to flex it. You got to practice saying no, no, no. And then being okay with it. You got to practice not buying so much. You're looking at stuff and you're like, I got to have this and this. Do you really have to, do you really want it in your life? Do you really want it to take the time where you could be focusing on the thing that you actually love that you were meant to do anyway, such a good episode with Ali Casaza. She is such a joy and such a great remembrance that we get to choose our space and we get to choose how that space, whether it's our home space, whether it's our head space, whether it's our calendar space, we get to decide if that space brings us joy and serves us, or if it's just weighing us down and creating this huge, long, crushing to-do list. I hope you love this podcast episode as much as I did. And don't forget to turn, tune, turn, <laughs> turn the dial, tune into next week's episode this week. Go out there, make the money, put it in your pocket where it belongs. Why? Because you can. And because I know you're going to do really good things with it. All right. I will talk to you next week. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Because I Can podcast. Do you have a 
question that you'd like me to answer raw and uncut on the podcast, all you need to do is head over to Apple Podcast and do three simple things. Number one, leave a rating and review and tell me what you think of the podcast. Number two, in that review, ask anything you want related to your lifestyle business. And number three, if you want a shout out, make sure to leave your Instagram handle or your name. That's all. Then just listen to hear your question answered live, raw, and uncut. Don't forget to join us next time on the Because I Can podcast. We'll see you then.